listening to ABQ Central. Well, to be fair. 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 With your host, Van Nunley. Alright, this is gonna be so good. And Fred Slow. I am the cream here. The cream of the crop. 95.9 FM, 610 The Sports Animal. And talkabq.com. Turn it up! Turn it up! It's Friday. You know what that means. Your boys are available to you 4 to 6.15 today. I am Fred Slow alongside me. My vacationer. Best friendier. Radio co-hostier. Impossible meat pizza sherrier. Van Nunley. Van, how are you? Oh, good afternoon. Good, buddy. How you feeling? I'm good. I feel real good. I just sampled the brand new Isotopes canned Mixy Drink Boy okay. from, from Safe House. All right. How was it? It was something special. All right. It was something special. So look that, I'll give you the proper name of it here in a second. I, don't have the, I no longer have the can at my disposal. Speaking of vacation, it's been 48 hours since I'm on a beach and I'm already white again. That didn't last. It wasn't there in the first place. I was so tan two days ago. No, you were not. Vital said, oh my God, who is this Haitian immigrant that is hosting this radio Are show? we in Del Rio? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> he said, he said, I just said, why'd you put the fake big tan on you? Oh, fire. <laughs> Michael, how are you? How are the skins back there? Doing pretty well, sir. Good to have you along, both of you. Always good to be here with you, buddy. Any call- any day here with you is a good day. And likewise. I called it the Skins to pay homage to one Dave Grohl because today is the 70-year, excuse me, 30-year anniversary of Nirvana's Nevermind. Nirvana's what? Nevermind. Yeah, well, I'm very curious. Quit telling me not to think about Nevermind. it. Nevermind. Okay. <laughs> do you guys have notifications on your apps? Like, do your app Like, do your apps alert your phone or do you guys leave all that stuff turned off i turned them all off i turn it off so i thought i had all mine turned off but apparently i did not have Domino's turned off and uh <laughs> at four o'clock on the dot Domino's says alert your Domino's points are about to expire and i tell you what i'm now considering turning all my notifications back on because if this is the vital stuff that i'm missing we need so pe- are we ordering a pizza All right, so we're talking about pizza for the program, which I like as a campaign today, if you are also interested in championing it. Pizza for the program. You, I, Mike Vitale, Micah Frankel joining us at 5 o'clock because we're going to talk all this John Jones nonsense. Guess who's back? (laughs) He's like, like, I'm in the uh, UFC Hall of Fame. Let me give a speech, and I'm in jail. (laughs) He's an idiot. Like, I, like, I'm not, I can't even, pull, like, I can't pull punches. Like, it's, he's radio gold. Fool me once. <laughs> yeah. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee was also Thursday Night Football last night. You watching any of that game? Uh, I did not. I was handling some business. Okay. Some, some business to handle. Business. It was business time. I was handling some business, so I didn't watch it. But I did get an alert. Oh, so you have an alert. I I just remember I do have a couple alerts open. Okay. I got like messenger alerts still on, and then I have uh, fantasy sports still on. Okay. 
and I got an alert saying Christian McCaffrey is already hurt. I think he died, yeah. Friggin' three weeks into the year. Vital, I'm only on two fantasy teams this year. I usually do like four or 16. I'm only on two this year, and I got the first pick in both. Guess who I have twice? Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what he doesn't have? He doesn't have two fantasy teams. I mean, he doesn't have two good hamstrings. The one for now. He stays hurt. The last two years. Yeah. He didn't get hurt his whole career until the last two years. He's only had a three-year career. That is not true. He's only had a four-year career. It's not true either. If it's five years, I'll be very surprised. <laughs> well, we we all know like once he hits six years, he's got to go play on the Texans. We, which we pointed <laughs> out yesterday. They're going to have to do something down there. We'll get to that when we get to that. I went over to Brandon Ortega's last night to watch the Thursday night football game. It was uh, the Carolina Panthers versus the Houston Texans, or as I called it, a snoozer. Yeah. It was a full on snoozer and they can't flex these games early in the year right because like you would get rid of the texans like you wouldn't show a texans game this well is... then the quick turnaround it's a thursday night game so both teams are at, at full strength in terms of just your mind and your body is not even ready after four days i used to be indifferent to thursday night games i'm like they're professionals they know how to handle their bodies, handle their schedule. I agree. They're but after my first round pick and both leagues goes down, I am very anti Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. I am not into this anymore. They're as dumb as Megan Fox and and MGK. Go fifth on. year, fifth year in the league for for your boy Christian McCaffrey. Told you, I wouldn't have got been that. in that long. Yeah, he's kind of been garbage except for one year. You are an insane person. So. <laughs> His rookie campaign, he only he was garbage. 117 rushes, 400 yards, two touchdowns, straight garbage. That's four yards a carry. It's very good for a rookie. He had a bunch of receptions, which is nice. His sophomore season, 1,000 yards. Congratulations. Only put in the end zone seven times. I'm going to need you to score a little bit, guy. 1,000 yards on the ground and in the air. No, just on the ground. In the air, he had 865. Okay. So he was like, what, third in the league in total yards, and you're calling him garbage? The one year he had was 2019. That was a pretty good year. That was a pretty good year. Is that their Super Bowl year, Super Bowl 50 against the Broncos? They went 15-1 and with Cam Newton. I think it was McCaffrey. Definitely was. He had 13. He had nearly 1,400 on the ground. Scored 15 times. It was a really good season. Caught 1,000 yards. I mean, he, was, he was outstanding, and then his body surrendered. Because in the last two years, he's played like four and a half games. Yes. That's not very good. That's just. I'm just hoping for a quick recovery for christian mccaffrey and the mccaffrey family are you talking about your fantasy team i'm mostly talking about my fantasy yeah team. <laughs> the uh they're gonna have to do something for real because they have a shot we had a caller yesterday uh richard was that who it was we had a caller yesterday a friend of the show called robert. robert 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 and he was like hey actually if you could, if you boys look at the schedule the panthers could be like seven and oh and we were like no you're stupid robert like why are you wasting your your minutes on calling the show cell phone minutes if you remember that no and then 
We looked at the sketch and we were like, actually, Robert. Actually, they can. You're very correct. You should have my chair. Not anymore. Not anymore? Who's their running back? That like I'm I'm literally asking who's their running back. I'm gonna tell you because I looked it up today. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't have known this otherwise. Rookie, and he's got a sweet name, Chuba Hubbard. His name is Chuba Hubbard. What does that mean? I think it's from Tennessee a name. It's from a fairy tale. I think old Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is what uh, Tom from Tom and Jerry used to say whenever we saw a hot cat walk by. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard. <laughs> Chubba Hubbard's the sound effect that's made in cartoons when when Betty Boop exercises. For sure. Yes. Like Batman punches one guy, yes. Chubba. Robin punches <laughs> another guy. Uh, Hubbard. If if we had this if we had this sports talk show in the nineties, but it was actually an alternative rock morning show, we'd be Chubba and the Hubbard. Yeah. Like that's what Chubba Hubbard is. <laughs> it's my second favorite bubblegum too. Oh yeah. Right behind Wrigley. Mm. Double Chubba Hubbard. So the Carolina Panthers today worked out Duke Johnson, Edo Smith, Dontrell Hilliard, and B.J. Emmons. I will finish that sentence by saying what? Why? You got Chubba Hubbard. You don't need anybody else. I thought Duke Johnson was going to be better than Duke Johnson was. But okay. Royce Freeman and Chubba Hubbard are the only healthy running backs on the team's 53-player roster. You got to get one more, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Get Cam Newton. The, tec- the Texans got a lot of them, but they refused to run the ball last night. <laughs> they couldn't. No, they were chasing points. And what's what was old boy's name, the quarterback? I already forgot. Davis Mills. He sucked. It's the country's fourth largest cereal provider, Davis Mills. <laughs> If you go against a defense like that, you would be stinking up the place too. They were fast and relentless last night. Their rush, and then well, because they looked good because they were playing the Texans. That's how I feel. That too. And then after, and also like just thank you to the NFL Network and thank you to people that care about the game and my ears to let me listen to Joe Buck twice a week call NFL football. That is such a blessing. He's so talented and perfect in every single aspect of the of identifying talent. I hate the Texans are so bad that Al- Alabama could beat them. That's dumb. That's I don't not like real. that argument. That's not a real thing. The Texans are so bad, Alabama can beat them once out of ten times. That is accurate. <sighs> they're bad, man. And Sam Darnold, after the game, they put him on the post game, and they're like, he's holding the microphone like like a kid at show and tell because he's never like been in this situation before, and he's super nervous, and they're like, Three AM win streak, big guy, and he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> he's he don't know he don't know how to be a winner. He's accidentally winning. I think he's been good the whole time. He just got jetsted. You see, that's what's happened to Zach Wilson right now, too. Zach Wilson is way better than the way he's been playing. No, he's not. He is. He's terrible. Once he has a three year horrible one run with the Jets. And then he goes to the Texans in a Texans rebuild. Zach Wilson's going to look great in three years. Zach Wilson, I think, has one touchdown, and I want to look that up to be sure. Again, it's not his fault. No, he's, Sam- got, he's got two touchdowns. Oh, and he's got four interceptions in his last outing? Yeah. He was, he was running for his life, though. And how come no one told me about these ugly Jets jerseys? 
I'm not trying to have that conversation right now, but figure it out, New York. You're supposed to be the class. We told you to skip it last night. Are you? We said take Carolina. We said take the under. Did you say the Jets are supposed to be the class? You're supposed to look the part. You're New York. <laughs> when have the Jets been the class of anything? As far as, like, cool looks, can I tell you about Joe Namath? Of, like, what, Rex Ryan's foot fetishes? You're going to tell me there's a sexier look than Wayne Corbett lined up in that 80. Yes. No. That's not even top 20. When Keyshawn Johnson said, throw me the damn ball, it's because 19 looked good out there. That's what I'm saying. These Jets jerseys look like they were created in Madden created team. And they're Hold terrible. on. Are they not the same jerseys? I think they're the same jerseys. No, they're not. They're they, the same no, jerseys. They're, no, those are, they're new. They're, they got these new. Like third uh, year with them. I'm telling you. And I didn't know that because I don't watch them. They Jets. look exactly the same. I only watch Red Zone, and Red Zone doesn't put the Jets on Red Zone because they're never in the Red Zone. The Jets are dumb. Okay, never mind. These are bad. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, they're hideous. I wouldn't say hideous, but they could do better. They, they just keep the ones that they had. With that's when the ones that Broadway Joe Namath wore. The that's what I'm helmets, saying. The yeah. classic ones. Yeah, give me Chad Pennington jerseys and give me white cleats and white socks and look the part. White on white on white on white on white green numbers. Yeah, take, these aren't very good. No, we're taking a break. When we get back. I don't want to keep running this Thursday Night Football into the ground, but I hate it so much. It disrupts the week. It disrupts my enjoyment of football, and I'm mad that I watched it, but I'm glad that I watched it with friends. Connect with your boys in the Quan's Auto Care Hotline, 505-246-0610. Text us, same number. You listen to ABQ Central, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. From the texter, friend and van, complicit participants. And in the political action committee, that is the NM United Soccer Stadium bond voter approval effort. Um, for the record, what? <laughs> like, what? I'm not, in a, I'm not in a super PAC. I'm not that cool. I'm not Stephen Colbert. I'm not getting paid either. Yeah. And for the listener. I'm not even in a two-pack. No. Not even, a, especially a super one. The most pack I know about is X-Pac. And he was in Generation X, so I don't feel like he's a good example for the class. We often open up the Quan's Auto Care hotlines to the friends of the show, and a friend of the show is Marty. Marty, welcome. How are you? Good, guys. I want to remind everyone that a vote for the stadium is not necessarily a vote for Keller. So let's remember that. Those are two different things. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, 100%. How logical and reasonable of you, yeah. Marty. Thank you for that. <laughs> I want to I want to enlighten the uh, our smart voting uh, uh, panel out there. That just to remember, those are two different things. Let's differentiate the two, um, guys. Uh, Tyrod Taylor makes that Texan team competitive. I, I really thought they would actually cover last night. Uh, Carolina has probably their hardest game coming up at Jerry World next week, so we'll see the real Sam Darnold. Um, I am concerned about the Lobos going down to El Paso. I think if they get beat handily, I, I, I have to say, you know, that's a little concerning for me because I don't think UTEP's a good team. I think they've been better than what they've been. But if they go down there and get disappointed, get kind of slapped around, I'm going to go back to my four-win prediction for the season. I think this is a game they need to win. They should win. I'm not sure they will. 
But to me, it's a game they, they need to win. It's a game that you get on your schedule and says, yeah, UTEP, we could beat them. Come on. Um, but, you know, they, they kind of handled the Aggies pretty good, UTEP did. So I'm a little concerned about that game. I think uh, Terod Taylor makes Houston competitive because they got to play the Jacksonville Jaguars week one, and now they might not win a game the rest of the year. And I think with the Lobos and UTEP, I think you're correct in the comparison that like UTEP really put it on State, and then the Lobos didn't necessarily handle State the way that the fan base had hoped they would. But in my opinion, a Lobos team that really just kind of came back to reality with this tough one against A&M, this Lobo team should be in a point now with their rhythm and the quarterback play and, and being bought back into the system and the game and playing in front of fans and all those cliche things to where – I agree with you, Marty. They have to put it on UTEP. You have to make an example here. And if you can't, if you can only scrape one out or if you take the L, that's going to be a real strong indicator of where the football team is at. No, I I totally agree. I'm really concerned about this game. Um, From the mindset that you just got handled by A&M, obviously a better program. I thought the score would be a lot more than that. I was a little disappointed with the 30-plus yards passing from the quarterback. Um, only because he's faced them before, probably different team. But th- that's got to be concerning regardless of who you play, um, not even to get 100 yards passing. But uh, UTAP, come on, that's a program that's been reeling for a long time. They're probably seeing the light now. And they got to be licking their chops there saying, we can handle a team like New Mexico. Um, but, you know, I'll take your guys' comments off the air. But I am concerned about that game. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for the call. Yeah, uh, you're right. If This is a big indicator of the pulse of the season if you can't handle UTEP. The beginning of the year, like we talked about it on this show, UTEP was ranked the 10th worst program in the country. you got to handle the 10th worst program in the country. If you don't, that's a direct indication of the, the direction your team is heading. I think the Lobos got a much stronger defense, have a way more talented quarterback, and they're hungrier for success. They got a more passionate coach, and they're going to come out hungry, and I think they're going to do everything they need to to handle UTEP. The the thing that's interesting to me about UTEP, and we'll talk about this a lot more tomorrow morning on the program, the 8 to 11 show that we do here on the weekends. The thing to me that's so interesting is this is really the second best rivalry for the Lobos, and I don't think it gets the attention it deserves as far as rivalry. I think a lot of people are like, obviously State. State's number one. But then – a lot of people are like, hey, Colorado State, or a lot of people are like, hey, San Diego State. And those aren't really rivalries. Those are considerably one-sided. And this one with UTEP, where I think I think this is like the 80th time they've ever played each other, it's like something crazy high. Um, with that said, like it's fairly balanced. It's like like somebody has 40 wins and somebody has 30-something wins, and it's it's so close. And you have to be able to win like those games to keep like the momentum of your program. And by the way, you're recruiting the same players. You're recruiting the same area. You're recru- you're literally recruiting the same resources, coaches, and talent, and and venues often, and, and bowl opportunities. You got to beat up on UTEP. You absolutely have to do it. Coach Gonzalez, I think, is not confused at all on the amount of pressure here because because who do we have next week? Air Force after that. So UTEP on the road, and Air Force is going to be insanely tough at home. Yep. Like, that's that's not one where you do even pencil in a W. No. No. So, yeah, you got to get the win here, and they have a winning record. They're 2-1. and one. So being able to go over a team that has a winning record is going gonna, is gonna to stand in a really positive light versus uh, what they've already been able to done 
are due against specifically State and uh, Houston Baptist, who, well, I mean, they're just not really the highest of quality of opponent. Yeah, for sure. You, it, it is a rivalry, and everyone's going to be up for the game. Everyone's going to be excited for the game. Coach Gonzalez will have the boys riled up. But even in a rivalry game, a win's a win. Yeah. And if you're going to have a successful season, if you're going to get to six wins and get to a bowl game or get to five wins and luck your way into a bowl game, this one has to be a win yeah. on the schedule. If you're going to get to six wins, you got to get to three wins. Like, get this win. This is the one. Yeah, you go get this one. This is the third one. And then after that, we look at the schedule, and, I, I mean, it's it's not an easy road. Like, these are the three you had to have. You had to, after four games, be three and one. You have to yeah. if you're the Lobos. You have to not die against the Texas A&M Aggies. You can't have 17 injuries against the Texas A&M Aggies. You come into UTEP healthy, and you win a game you're supposed to win. And then after that, I see easily three winnable games on the schedule. We'll see what happens going forward. I'd love to beat up on Fresno. I'd love to beat up on Wyoming. Those are away games. That makes it tougher. UNLV is tough at home. Utah State Aggies are tough at home. Colorado State Air Force. I mean, it's tough at home the rest of the way. The whole thing is difficult. Right. Win this one, though. Like, here we are looking to the future. Let's just look at this weekend. I'm going to tune in. I think it's on ESPN Plus. Is that right? Yes, ESPN Plus. Yeah. It's a, I hate to say it, but in terms of them getting bowl eligible, it would be a must win in terms of that. I mean, that's the way I see it. I think they can beat Colorado State. I think they can beat Air Force. Um, San Diego State, that's that iffy right now. So get it at 96-3, obviously, tomorrow for Rob Portnoy. And then I don't know who's calling the ESPN Plus game, but whatever. I mean, tune in. Support your dudes. That's how I feel about it. I'm a big Coach Gonzalez mark. Like, I mean, I pop for Coach Gonzalez. Same. When when the Lobos run out on the field now versus what it was in, like, our previous two years as a sports talk radio show here and down, I didn't pop. Pop's a wrestling term. I should define that. I didn't explode out of my seat with excitement. I do now because now we're in the mix. And if at the end of it you're just like, hey, you're in the mix, that's far better than what we have been. Yes. Being in the mix is doing really well. Having constructive conversations about your team being able to win a game is different for this program. When Marty calls and he's like, hey, boys, I don't just need a win for my Lobos. I need them to look impressive. That's far better than years past when it's, I really got my fingers crossed for a W. Yeah. I don't, boy, boy, do I hope their quarterback gets hurt and we get to scrape out a three-point win. I hate having the best punter in the country every year who's now a rugby player. Very talented one, by Insanely the way. Insanely talented. We saw him play. He's very it's good. not fair. Is he, back on the, is he back on the pitch? I would assume. Is yeah, it a pitch in rugby? Let's go back. When we get back, my St. Louis Cardinals won again today, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to squeeze this beat until there's no juice left in it. 13 in a row, Van. I'm going to tell you why a Baker's Dozen is my favorite number. It's ABQ Central on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Team. Back on the program, Fawn's Auto Care Hotline. It's available to you, 505-246-0610. Text us as well, 505-246-0610. We're enjoying the texter. The afternoon text and the Saturday morning text are different text. Wildly different. On the weekend, people just want to cut it up. 
during the week. Kind of a lot of cutting you down. <laughs> I, I don't see a lot of it. You like to pick out the bad. That's true. You're a glass half full of piss and vinegar kind of guy. You could have easily just said half empty, and that would have been the same analogy. <laughs> The St. Louis Cardinals at 6.05 today will take on the Cubs of Chicago. The Cardinals 84 and 69 overall. The Cubs 67 and 86. What is notable about this is they already played one time today where the Cardinals beat the crap out of them and extended their winning streak to 13 games, and no one is happier in the entire face of the planet than me. Well, it's going to make it so much least less likely that they win the second game of the doubleheader because they're so tired from running around the bases all the time. No, they are not. <laughs> yeah, how about Paul Goldschmidt? He's Boy, unreal. Swinging a hot bat there. It's the first time they've won 14 in a row, Fred, since 1935. It's unacceptable. In they control should... that second NL wild card, too. Not just in control, but like comfortably in control. What are they yeah. up, man? I think the real stat is, like, they've never had a winning streak that long since Jackie Robinson started playing baseball. Like, that's the real stat, right? They are up five games in the wild card with nine games left. But they unfortunately are going to have to hit off of Max Scherzer in the wild card game to try to sneak in. And Max Scherzer has an under one ERA since he got traded to the Dodgers. Well, he sucks, so it don't matter. He's awful. He's, can't do anything <laughs> good. He's going to choke. Historically speaking, the Dodgers just choke against the Cardinals in the playoffs. Like, there's not even another way to say that kindly. Well, everyone chokes against the Cardinals in the yeah, playoffs. So lovely. It's Especially like, like a year like this where they're just, they got two stars and then just a ragtag bunch. Okay. Tyler O'Neill can rake. I don't know why you're saying this. Even Lester can give you, give you some quality. Two hundredth win, he picked up his two hundredth career win. Hey, but here's the thing: somebody has, somebody's picked up thirteen of these wins in a row for these boys because got thirteen of them. Could possibly, literally, like no joking. Paul DeYoung also is an All Star caliber player. I don't know why you're saying he's not. He's a ragtag bunch that really upsets me. He's not a Motley Crew. He's a no one knows who Paul DeYoung is. Everyone knows you, just you. And me, because I play fantasy sports. And you get some pop out of the middle infield. Tommy Edmond is a stud. You're just going to say positive things about your team because it's your team. Edmundo Sosa took one off the hand today. It looks like he might be in trouble. You didn't know who he was until yesterday. That's not true. <laughs> I knew who he was at the All-Star break when they started playing over the aforementioned Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung's been a dead spot in that lineup for the last couple of years. So is Matt Carpenter. He's still on the team. It don't matter. I don't care how you're playing as long as you're winning. Wait, hold on. Carpenter's still on the team? Yeah, not Chris Carpenter, Matt Carpenter. Yeah, I know. Matt Carpenter. Yeah, that Matt Carpenter. He should be playing first base coach. <laughs> we have. He hasn't got a hit. We have Stubby Clapp at first base, so I'm not trying to like replace that coach right mm. now. I want to see Matt Carpenter's stats during this win streak. If he even got in at bat. Is he, like, just a really tall bat boy now, or do they let him play still? Okay. Last well, last time Matt Carpenter had a hit, so did the Backstreet Boys. That's a good one. Hey. Everybody. <laughs> 
Listen to this fun stat. Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado are the first threesome in the Cardinals lineup with at least 30 bombs since 2004 when it was done by some slouches named Albert Pujols, Jim Edmonds, and Scott Rowland. Yeah. You know what they were called? The MV3. Oh, that's a good name. I know. That's a good one. 605. Watch the Cubs lose. Sorry, Philadelphia. Sorry, Cincinnati. Sorry, San Diego. You're not catching St. Louis with nine games left. And the Cubs are the worst team in baseball, and they played a doubleheader today against the hottest team in baseball. So that means that the hottest team in baseball only has to beat them for seven innings. That's it, because doubleheaders are seven innings now. The only races left in the National League is who wins the West and who wins the East. Milwaukee has cemented into the Central. L.A. and St. Louis are cemented into the wild card. So whoever wins the West out of San Fran and L.A., the loser of that will be playing St. Louis at home for the wild card. I'm not trying to be a jerk because I can easily be a jerk. By the way, Jack Flattery going tonight for the Cardinals. He's going to strike out 20. So the Cubs, here's their lineup. I'm not making this up. So tonight, Jack Flaherty is going to get 20 out of 21 outs by way of strikeout is what you're saying. Correct. Okay, write that down, Vital. Lots of backwards Ks, too. He's going to have his stuff really working. So here's the Cubs lineup. I'm not like mentioning this to make direct fun. This is a fact, and you're going to interpret it as a joke. Okay. Rafael Ortega. I'm sorry, what? Frank Schwindel. Oh, he's good. <laughs> Pat Wisdom. He was good early in the year. Ian Happ. He's completely average, but he's a big utility guy. Nick Martini. Okay, what? Nico Hornier? Nick Nico Horner. Okay. He's got a future ahead of him. He's going to be good. Not, Oster not Romaine. No, Austin Romaine. No. Austin Romaine. Yeah. Don't doesn't matter. That's Sir, like a, a salad, but they put barbecue sauce on it. Yeah. That's, that's Austin Romaine. Austin Romaine is when you order a vegetable salad in Texas and they bring it to you with chicken. And barbecue all over it. You're like, can I get a vegan salad? And they're like, cool, I don't want your bacon. Sergio Alcantara. Alcantara? But, yeah, he's good, too. Zach Davies. I see the it. Iowa Cubs roster. Somebody has to. That's exactly <laughs> what, it what it is. That's literally what it is. Last year's Iowa Cubs roster with Ian Happ. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. The Cardinals did let him score five runs, but it doesn't matter because they scored eight runs because that's, that's what they do. Some expert analysis there, John Madden. You're going to tell me right now that that lineup that I just named is going to score five runs when they're striking out 20 times. Schwindel can hit a bomb. He's pretty good. I don't know who that is. You just said his name. Now you know. I've already forgotten it. He's going to be good. He's going to be, I'm sorry, he's going to be very above average for a long time. I don't have a database for losers. Okay. Okay. You just call it the Cubs database. I don't have the Cubs database. Historically speaking, who's the best Cub? The best Cub? Yeah, historically speaking. Well, you want to say Ernie Banks. You do want to say Ernie Banks, but he's really would, only known for one catchphrase. I would say Sammy Sosa. And he's a he's a full-on cheater, idiot. He cheats. Loser. He cheats through science and through corking. So, steroids and cork bat. Yes, Shout out to your best friend and my mother, Sandy K. Yes. Ryan Sandberg is the greatest Cub of all time. That might be true. 
That's her favorite player. I think Ryan Sandberg might be the best couple of all time. Wait, hold on. Greg Maddox. He's a brave. <laughs> That's what I'm saying about this team. The best Cub of all time is their broadcaster. That's a shame. The year that they won the World Series, it was with a team of players who hated the Cubs. <laughs> Every single guy on the team was like, I hate this city and I hate this team. He go. I'm Chris Bryant, and I'm going to be real honest here. I hate you all. But I'm going to win baseball games so I can go play for the Giants and have an actual chance at winning World Series multiple years in a row. 505-246-0610. Connect with us on the Quan's Auto Care Hotline. Poor Cubs fan. <sighs> Call and vent. We will be your two shoulders to cry on. You guys are going to be bad for a long time. Oh, my. For years. At least you broke the streak. You got tears in your eyes? Don't worry. It's a windy city. It'll dry right up. Cubs. So they're going to lose. That's what I'm saying. And then the Cardinals will have won 14 games in a row. I'm jinxing it right now. <laughs> yes, Michael, I know you tried to get me to go to break before I jinxed it. Unfortunately, I already <laughs> did. <laughs> Done for. They're the best team in the history of baseball, and they're currently playing right now. And if you're not watching them, you don't love baseball. If you watch Thursday Night Football, Carolina Panthers versus the Houston Texans, that's you're wasting your sports time. Unless you have Christian McCaffrey. Then you'll have to That's watch your for fantasy running back. Then, then you change the channel in the last three quarters. Micah Frankel at 5 p.m. We're going to talk UFC. We're going to talk uh, John Jones. We're going to talk the upcoming UFC 200 and something, something. If the Cardinals keep winning. Yeah. Which it's very likely they will. Very hard to do. They can end the season, the 23-game winning streak, and snap the A's. 20 consecutive win record. That's so sweet. And then beat Max Scherzer. That's so sweet. Then go on to win the World Series. Did you hear that? Did when, you hear all that? When the biggest Cardinals fan ever, the day after the All-Star game, said they were done, they needed to <laughs> <Yes>, rebuild. <laughs> Vital, you were sitting right on the yep. other side of that glass when Superfan, right across the table from me, said they need to get rid of Goldie and Arenado and just rebuild. Let's go to break. NFL talk when we get back. Michael Frankel after that. ABQ Central, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Animal. I just spent four minutes telling you why I think the Cubs are the worst, and I think it's only fair to give friend of the show and Cubs fan Brandon a fair opportunity to rebuttal. Brandon, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. You know, I did hear you list and butcher all of the names of the Cubs AAA squad that are we now have to watch. You know, I ordered the MLB package, and it just kind of sucks after about halfway through the year. It's like, yeah, traded away all of our good guys that won the World Series, and now it's these losers. But you know what? That's okay. We're five years removed from the World Series. We got one. We'll always be bouncing our grandkids on our knee and telling them about Chris Love Bryant and Anthony that. Rizzo, Javi Baez. But the greatest cub of all time is definitely Sammy Sosa. I don't care if he's a cheater. I don't care if he did steroids. That guy's the man. And the best thing about supporting the Cubs is Wrigley Field. Bush Stadium kind of can't compare. It's always hot and muggy there in the summer. Nobody likes going to Bush Bush Stadium. It's, so It's the third Bush, too. It's not even like – it's not the original. Like, Wrigley Field's the original. They're on their third Bush Stadium already. 
Ron Santo, I think, is in the mix. Ron Santo's in the mix. Ryan Sandberg's in the mix. I don't think it's Sammy Sosa. Brandon, did you get a discount when you bought your MLB package because you're a Cubs fan since none of them are MLB players? That's a good question. They give you the MILB rates? No, they didn't, actually. (laughs) They just kept the prices the same, and I I basically stopped watching the Cubs games halfway through the summer. (laughs) Whenever you know, like, whenever you called to get like the the MLB package, do you still have your three one two area code from Chicago? And they were like, "Sorry, we understand. Here's a discount." Did did you do that? No, unfortunately, oh, they God. didn't. <laughs> you know, and the thing of it is, is it's like the Cardinals. They win like every other year, and so I counted them out too. I was happy for the Reds. I'm like, "All right, the Reds get a turn." Uh, Brewers, okay, and then now the Cardinals go on this winning streak, and it's like I can't stand. How they just come out of nowhere and do good when you count them out. It just bothers me. Now, but Brandon, it has to be anybody. It's got to be a central team. So It's got to be. And, Brandon, I'm not one to, to pat the dirt after I pile it on, but I just want you to know that when you Google greatest Cub of all time, Google autocorrects to greatest QB of all time. Oh, no. So not even Google believes that there's the greatest Cub of all time. Well, it would it, when you Google greatest Cub of all time and after you recorrect it to Cub and you hit enter – is it just Smokey the Bear, like when he was a baby? Yes, that's <laughs> exactly what that Well, second greatest Cub of all time, it's a tie between Ryan the Riot, Felix Pye, and Juwan Pierre. Thanks for taking my call, fellas. <laughs> Leaving Fergie Jenkins off the list, Man. old Brandon. You're digging deep for Juan Pierre and Felix P.A., I think it is. Billy Williams, I think, is on the list. I would run out of Cubs after that. That would be Billy A. Williams. Not Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams from Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> Lando Calarissian. Yes, that is correct. Appreciate Brandon taking the time and sticking up for his boys, kind of. But that's the moment, right? Yeah. Bouncing your kid on your knee and talking right. about the good old days. Like, that's really cool. And that's unique to baseball because of its super long history. It's like part of American history. And I get it. I've... I stayed true to my Astros when they were the worst team in baseball for five years straight. And look at them now. They're asterisk-wielding World Series champions. So maybe one day the Cubs will be back. All you have to do is cheat again like the Astros. How fortunate I am to have been born in St. Louis, Missouri, to just have the exposure to what I'm going to say is the best baseball team in the history of the planet, because obviously the Yankees play in the American League, and that's not actually baseball. Okay, sure. That's a, that's one way to look at it. There's pinstripes one, birds two, I would say. There's 11 successful, ships. Successful franchises. 11 ships fly in St. Louis. Right. That's not more than 27. Well, they won a lot of those during the Depression. <laughs> so A lot of those were before the Jackie Robinson years, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah. Yeah. As were the Cards. <laughs> the Cardinals did win a couple during some world wars. Yeah. If we're really, really counting that. Without Stan Musial. Love who's it. out fighting the wars. Winning medals and stuff. The Presidential Medal of Freedom. Hero. That's the thing with the Cardinals, too. When you're like, well, who's the greatest Cardinal of all time? There's zero conversation. Stan Musial. Bob Gibson. Dang it. <laughs> Tim McCarver. You want to talk UFC? Let's do it. Let's do it. Michael Frankel, he's going to join us in just a few minutes. You'll listen to ABQ Central, 95.9 FM and AM 610, the sports animal. I'm Jax 
complete lack of surprise. Duh. Can I get a Micah Frankel mic check? Check, 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 check. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Micah Frankel joining the program. If you're not familiar with he, he is the mastermind behind CageMinds.com. He has three podcasts that are all doing very well. The one that I am familiar with most is Pro Wrestling After Hours because everyone knows that I am the biggest pro wrestling mark outside of anyone you've ever met, also St. Louis Cardinals. Cage Mind's doing well. You know, a lot of people are showing up. They're reading your articles. You're, you're, We're doing all right. Yeah. We're doing all right. We got the YouTube channel also, Cage yeah. Mind's MMA show. Got interviews up there just this week. Talked to Aaron Reese. He has successful uh, a first pro win, actually, I should say not successful, but a first pro win up in the Pennsylvania area two weeks ago. He was an exciting amateur, went unbeaten down here, and then also talked to Nick Gonzalez this past week. He has Combat Sports Club Grapple Fest submission only event coming up October 2nd here in Albuquerque at Training for Warriors Albuquerque. Tickets are still available at Combat Sports club.com and then i think we're going to have some broadcast details about where you can watch the event coming out next week so a lot going on in the website pumps it all out how's jake hager doing is he gonna is he gonna mma fight again i don't know if he's gonna mma fight man i'm looking forward to tonight you got him and jericho gonna step up and Boy, take on scorpio big. sky ethan page you hit it right there i just had somebody arguing with me the other day on Twitter, well, Dan Lambert's just doing the same. He's brilliant that he did in TNA, and I'm like, it's brilliant. I don't care who changes their stick anyway. It's Van has no idea. It's all pro wrestling. Yeah, I'm just like, like a cat watching ping pong right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm trying, and, to like, I'm trying some to hear some words that I know what they mean. We're just two birds of a feather trying to catch some wind here, Van. Uh, a guy who cannot catch a break, and it's due to his own demise, is John Jones, who is currently winless against himself. It's, John. John Jones arrested today for, are you ready for these charges, boys? Domestic violence and tampering with a vehicle and is currently behind bars. That's it. He's, okay, just keep it simple. Misdemeanor domestic violence and entering or tampering with a vehicle, which is a felony. It's what? hard to fly as high as John Jones does and to crash as hard as he does. That one we can all agree on, I think. Right, guys? He was getting a Hall of Fame award. Five minutes earlier. He couldn't stay one day. One of, one of my favorite websites, uh, and rest in peace, DMX, one of my favorite websites is Is DMX in Jail? And you could just type in Is DMX in Jail, and we'll have a live counter if he is in jail or not. Now that DMX is gone, we need a Is John Bones Jones in Jail.com website. Micah, that's your department. I think you could take that. I don't know if we could keep something running that consistently updating hour by hour. So that's a tenuous one. But Heads like you up. said, seven hours before, Hall of Fame induction, two coaches there, a proud moment. And then, as you said, all goes to, uh-oh, in a casino, it appears. Is John Jones in jail.com is currently owned by someone. <laughs> Probably so. John Jones himself, right? <laughs> it, it or his, his legal team, at least. It does exist in the world of existing. Uh, in Vegas, accepting an award for a fight that he had, like, I don't know, eight years ago or something. Do you remember this fight specifically? Specifically? Oh, this is one of the greatest light heavyweight fights oh, there of we go. all time. I didn't know. Alexander Gustafson 
pushed John Jones like nobody else has, went to a decision. This was a fight where we had not seen John Jones take down offense, be stuffed, and he could not get Gustafson to the ground and hold him there. Gustafson made Jones strike made Jones do things that we had not seen him and put him in positions where he was not controlling and dictating all terms of engagement, something to that point we had not seen. And Jones still rose to the occasion and was able to combat and then by decision beat a guy that coming in on paper was a better striker, one of the greatest fights we've seen. They both literally nailed each other with some heavy shots. And then eight years later, John Jones was arrested after accepting an award for it. Well, that's almost the end, uh, end oh, hold on. any John Jones story. The test came back positive. He got arrested at the end of the night. It's a, it's a hard it's a hard path for him to curtail. So, in your professional opinion, is this like I'm above the law stuff? Is this mental illness stuff, or does the dude just know how to party, and we're not paying attention to this correctly? I think that the man still has some demons, some vices, some substance issues that have not been dealt with. And that would be as far as I could take it because it seems like when there becomes a party element, there becomes issues with John Jones. And usually those become around something celebratory or when we do see him test with alcohol in his system. Uh, I think there's some issues that he has to deal with personally. Because we've had DWI stuff in the past, gun stuff in the past, public fracases. You know, he's got a he's getting a long list. Like the, I mean, multiple yeah. multiple steroid stuff. It's like he's his own worst enemy. There was the car accident. There was the running from the car accident. That was the biggest. I believe there's also a car accident when no one was involved, where he ran into a pole in New York. There's been a laundry list of incidents, and it's to the point where honestly. Every time you think he's turned a corner and you think he's controlled these vices, that he's in a good place, then there's the firing a gun downtown. And then there's now this moment, specifically as he's a focal point in arguing for better pay for fighters, talking about wanting a bigger fight, wanting to move up to heavyweight. And, and like posting progress and like show like he's like, I'm doing it. Like forget 255. I'm 270 now. Like he's. He needs to fight Brock Lesnar is what it is. Oh, yeah. I was talking to some teammates, and they said, I'm not a mathematician. I don't know. I'm not the guy at the fair guessing his weight. But they said 265 to 285, somewhere in that area and tossing people around in the gym. That's what John's been looking like. And this doesn't help you get in the cage and make money or give the public persona the perspective that you're moving forward. And I don't care if it's Dana White. I don't care if it's Bellator. I don't care who it is. It can, it can be Jake Paul in his organization of weird stuff. But you have to have John Bones Jones at 270 to 280 or whatever fight Brock Lesnar, and then the world will watch. And if it's anything except for that, I don't know if I would even tune in. Like, I, I can't think of a name where I'd be like, okay, I'm in again on John Jones. Lesnar or Negranu, right? Like, that's Negranu, right? Nganu. Yeah, I mean, in, that's... If you have not seen the Nganu highlights, i got to show you guys. No! These. There's been an uppercut to Alistair Overeem that sent a 40-plus win MMA world champion. It was a kickboxing world champion. This guy fell down like a sack of potatoes, lights out, out cold. We need to show you some Nganu highlights this is the hardest puncher that's ever been registered his punches were harder than mike tyson this guy is a ferocious beats the heavyweight champion who is also currently engaged in some contract issues with the ufc but there are some stars in this heavyweight <laughs> division that i could get you excited about if you got the time
I mean, to his credit. To his credit. Okay, we missed out on that one. <laughs> okay, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. He's one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters of all time. John Jones is undefeated against everyone not named John Jones. So I think he's like 0 for 4 against John Jones so far in his career. I believe that's correct. Talk a little bit about John Jones, a fighter, and what makes him so special and why he keeps getting all these extra chances. John Jones, as was described to me by one of the top managers in the industry, it was like this kid was it. One fight into his pro career, if you saw him in the gym, you knew what he was going to be. This was a surefire superstar. You could see the skill. You could see the way he could implement it. He's controlled distance like few ever have. He has a reach and a frame at this division that has been spectacular. His wrestling, which won a JUCO national title, was spectacular. He would get guys down and dominate them. This is to the point where when John Jones was at the peak of his title run, a guy that had never been in a gi was submitting, submitting Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. He was a one-of-a-kind freak of nature who, while not being an overwhelming powerful force, he was this indomitable force that would stalk guys, break them down, and beat them down in the octagon. He was something in his prime to just watch in awe over. So you live in the MMA world. You've been, in, you've been a fan of it for how long? Oh, basically since UFC 1. Right. I've known about this since it began in 1992. And you've been a professionally associated with it for how long? Since April of 2011, so we just passed a decade. Congratulations. Age Minds, the yeah. YouTube channel existing. So with that said, you have a ton of knowledge and, and familiarity with professional MMA athlete. What happens to professional MMA athlete to go from the focus that you just described that allows you to propel yourself into such a level of competitiveness and greatness to such distraction? Like, what, what is the thing that, that happens mentally for a fighter where they can just dissolve away like that? Everyone blows off steam in their own way. And as we've seen with a, a Mike Tyson, a Riddick Bowe, there are some fighters that that party life, that that after the fight extravaganza, that that event, that being awake till that 3, 4, 5 in the morning, that some guys live that life. Uh, as a pro wrestling fan, we're talking about that Ric Flair right. kind of lifestyle. I believe that John Jones has just kind of went that way. Being a martial artist, staying true to training, everything. But it seems like he's a guy that does love that party life. Talking about John Jones again in the news, not for his fighting ability and talent. Got arrested again. Allegedly, domestic violence and destruction of property. Surprise. I mean, no one's making their surprise no, face. Literally no one. No one, no one. It's more just a disappointment. I got to say, that's what the overwhelming feeling of what I'm seeing is out there. Some people, it's just expected by now. And by others, it's just disappointment. When does this end? You see, uh, also, to, not to beat on him, but uh, he's part of a famous family, and he seems to be the brother that comes with this trouble and can't shake the black out of the family kind of status, it looks like. How much money has he lost over the years with the, these troubles? Well, you got to think there was a point where there were three fighters in the octagon wearing Nike. There was Anderson Silva. There was Junior Dos Santos. Those were huge faces in Brazil. And then there was John Jones. John Jones is the only American that's worn Nike in the octagon. That's the kind of 
sponsorship he cost himself the first time he got in trouble, the first car accident. This was a guy that walked into an octagon with Nike and Gatorade as his sponsors, and there was nobody doing it at that time. What Conor McGregor is and where he took the sport, doing it with his brash bravado, John Jones was doing it in a more athletic sense with a I will just beat you down mentality. And he could have taken this, I think, to a bigger echelon, but really messed it up all of his marketing opportunities. Micah pointed out earlier, man, like the Ric Flair-esque like behavior of John Jones. And the difference, I think, in like Ric Flair. So in pro wrestling, it's called living the gimmick, right? So Ric Flair's gimmick like as a performer was like a nature boy, like a wild child, like a, like a wonderkin. And – the thing that was so unique about that with living that gimmick is it only enhanced his pay. It only enhanced his notoriety. It only helped him financially. And with John Jones, it's the exact opposite. It's all detrimental. And and what do you think is the difference? You mentioned Conor McGregor because it seems like their vibes are quite similar. How is Conor McGregor praised for it and John Jones is blasphemized for it? And – Hey, actually, let's grab a break. Come back to that one after the break, though, because I, I definitely want to hit on that. Because I think there's a di- one salt and one's pepper. Like, like you have, like you love one or you hate the other, or maybe you're just I don't know, lukewarm on both. But yeah, I, I agree with you. That's a that's a good emphasis to put. It's ABQ Central, ninety five point nine FM and AM six ten. The Sports Animal. Back live on the program, Mike Frankel's joining us. We are talking UFC everything, but mostly John Bones Jones and how we don't get it. Van, before the break, you asked, um, what's the difference in John Bones Jones and Conor McGregor? Uh, are you talking mentally, physically? Like, like, what do you mean by that? Well, well, I'm asking is the public perception of John Bones Jones versus the public perception of Conor McGregor. Because it seems like John Bones Jones has lost his brand due to his antics. Conor McGregor's legend has grown because of his antics. What's the difference in between the perception of these two people? The difference comes from fan base. It comes from target audience. It comes from marketing. It comes from Conor McGregor debuted in the UFC like nobody else ever had. Honestly, never had. The promotional campaign they put behind Conor McGregor, his first fight in the UFC was in Boston. In an Irish already city, and they littered the pubs with UFC McGregor posters. They had never done that for a debuting fighter before. They knew what he was going to be, and they went to his fan base. Now, when you talk about Conor McGregor, he very steadily has been the same douche the whole time. He has not changed his persona. Like Ric Flair, this guy styles, profiles, woos in your face, does it unapologetically, and he's that on level 10 hype up all the time. The difference is, is John Jones was marketed as a wholesome, uh, very well-raised, in which he was, well-mannered young man who was just part of his brotherhood with his football NFL brothers and was an athlete. And you kind of got that Hulkamania, say your prayers, take your vitamins kind of vibe from how John Jones was marketed. Like I said, Gatorade, Nike, he looked wholesome, he looked marketable. And then he started to have these legal incidents. And to me, somebody called a 180 and said, John, maybe we should bring a little bit more of your real-life persona. Talking about a heel turn. That you're showing behind the curtains to real life. And this is where you get the cursing. You get the crotch chops. You get a NWO-esque Hollywood Hogan turn, heel turn for John Bones Jones. And I think that that soured his fan base where Conor McGregor, because he's been consistently the same dude, 
it's expected of him, and it, even his fan base thrives on those actions. There you go. Pivoting to UFC 266, Michael Frankel, com. Jessica Andrade, Cynthia... Calvillo. So I guess the smart money's on... Andrade yeah. in that one. Andrade, this is at 125. She is a former 115-pound world champion, and her best attribute is her strength. She's a power puncher, and she actually won the title picking up Rose Namajunas and slamming her on her head. So this woman is a mad truck of destruction. Calvillo is a very technical grappler and jiu-jitsu player, but this is a big step up in competition for a Calvillo. I had the opportunity actually to interview a long time ago on the regional scene. Next up on the card is Blades uh, and Rosenstruck. These kind of guys are like in the middle. This like this looks like a fight to me that someone who can run up the card, like maybe they get a bigger fight next time. What do you see? These are two top 10 heavyweights. Curtis Blades is coming off of a knockout loss to Derek Lewis. Lewis had just fought for the title. Blades is a guy that has to make a statement and has to do something to get back in the favor of the UFC because we all know that this is a little bit of also a beauty pageant. It You need style points. You need the fans to want to see you fight in the big fight. So hard in the heavyweight to get style points. And Curtis Blades is a wrestler that doesn't always lead to doing the style points. He's taking on a guy that brings big style points in Jairinho Rosenstruck. Yes, that's what that all says right there, guys. <laughs> he has 11 of his 12 wins by knockout, and 10 of those come in the first round. He is a heavy hitter with big punching power, but this is the first time that he'll honestly have his takedown defense tested in MMA. Blades is a very accomplished wrestler who actually has the most takedowns in UFC heavy. Heavyweight history. Am I having deja vu here? Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz. This has happened before, right? UFC fighter Kay Hansen acknowledged this week on Twitter. She's like, you guys know I was four years old when this fight first happened. Nah. 17 years later for the sequel. I mean, if you wait 17 years, we will be on Fast and the Furious 100 by then. That's so sweet. I would love that. And we get this fight. The first fight. Nick Diaz got inside of Robbie Lawler's head, hurt him in the first round, and in the second round was able to knock him out, a fight that probably shouldn't even have went to the second round because Lawler didn't have his faculties. Now, Lawler, the last time Diaz fought, was the welterweight champion, but he has lost four in a row, has not looked good. Diaz hasn't fought in six years since a bout with Anderson Silva that he lost, but both of them tested positive for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And the funny part is, is Nick Diaz tested positive for marijuana. It's not funny, but he was suspended for four years by the Athletic Commission. Well, after that, he self-imposed himself a six-year suspension, and now he's returning for some reason after he got cleared of that suspension. But this fight, it's going to be fun because if you've ever seen a Diaz fight, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of trash talk. It's right up the pro wrestling fans' alley. The Diaz brothers are fun to watch. They're not the best technical fighters but they're brawlers, and they're probably the toughest two dudes in UFC. And that's what everybody thinks, but they are underestimated and underrating in how technical their striking and their boxing really is. Now, are they the best kickboxers? No, they have a problem with checking kicks, but their jiu-jitsu, stellar. Their striking, incredible. Wrestling, mm, something left to be desired. Robbie Lawler, though, it's does he have the want to get into a fight? Does he want to pull the trigger? He hasn't looked like it in his last couple fights, but Lawler does have a history of big knockouts, so hopefully this one brings huge excitement. Mike, are you a betting man? Not at all. Not at all? 
Well, it'll take you $1,500 to win $100 if you wanted to bet on Valentina Shashenko. This is one of the biggest overwhelming favorites I've ever seen on a card. I've interviewed Valentina Shashenko before. I interviewed her at a Super Bowl a couple years ago, and she's the nicest person I've ever met, maybe in my entire life. And all I remember from the interview was her saying, can you explain to me what football is? Because she's from Russia, she had no clue, but she knew she had to come up and like do the job. And that professional level just kind of speaks worlds to me as far as a UFC performer. They get everything outside of what's going on inside the cage. She is a martial arts nomad like no one else. She has her coach and her sister, and the three of them basically travel and train and travel and train. For this camp, I heard that they trained in Washington State. They stayed on a boat. And they would come into land to go check out different gyms, train around, and that they just do their own thing. They've done this. Some camps she's been in Denver. Some she's been in Las Vegas. She's been in Peru, in Russia. They are nomad martial artists to another level. I'm surprised to hear that it's 1500 now. It was only 1200 earlier in the week. But it speaks to the dominance that she's had. 7-0 and at 125 pounds. Five title defenses. This is going to be heading into the sixth. Three knockouts. She's thought of as a striker, a tactician who's able to set a lot of traps and bring you into her strikes. But two of her three knockouts as champion have come from ground and pound. Credible threat. Lauren Murphy can win if. Lauren Murphy can win if she's able to mix things up. She's going to have to do a variety of things. You have to go from your takedowns to mixing in your striking. You have to be able to get on the inside and do some dirty boxing. You're going to have to surprise Valentina Shevchenko, and you're going to have to land one on her chin because if you do that, anything can happen. Main event? Main event is incredible. These two guys despise each other. Yes, it has reached that level. Despise. Alexander Volkanovsky, the champion, defending the featherweight title of the world against Brian T. City Ortega. These two coach the ultimate fighter. They've already had to be around each other for way too long. I mean, they were supposed to fight 11 months ago, and Volkanovsky, unfortunately, test positive for COVID. The dude had a rough bout with COVID, had to deal with it here in America, then does the ultimate fighter, flies back to Australia to get to Australia, to be at home, to see his family, to hear that there's restrictions. He's only allowed to work with minimal training partners. They had to get a government exemption for him to even be able to leave his house to go train. So to talk about an underdog, this is a guy that's flying across the world. He wasn't even able to train at the gym he normally does because he lives in Australia and trains in New Zealand. So this is a huge home game for Brian Ortega, who has had to deal with a torn ACL. This postponement, he's a budding superstar, a huge jujitsu threat. The guy is named T-City because his triangles and guillotines are deadly. Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky is a tactician. He's a great striker. He mixes his takedowns in to keep his opponents off balance. He will not go to that in this fight. This fight, it's all about his footwork his feints, and trying to set up traps to catch Ortega and to also continually outwork Ortega because Volkanovski is a cardio machine. Whoever wins this one then faces Max Holloway, and then you, there's no confusion on who it is moving forward, right? Well, quite possibly. We actually just today, breaking news, November 13th, Max Holloway is fighting Yair Rodriguez. Oh, my gosh. So you got to imagine that the UFC is saying that winner will be the number one contender. So Holloway not sitting around as we all thought he would, just waiting for the winner of this fight, but putting it on the line against a Yair Rodriguez that all of us locally know won the ultimate fighter fighting out of the Jackson Wink Academy. 
Michael Franco, I yearn to have the passion for anything that you have for UFC. I yearn for that. Oh, thank you for such a compliment. You you are a plethora of knowledge, and you are kind, and you are smart. And CagedMinds.com is my go-to for MMA, knowledge, talk, podcast, and all resources. Micah, thank you so very much. Thanks, guys, for bringing me on. Everybody go to the website. Check out the podcast. They're there on the website. Again, that's CagedMinds.com. And tonight on UFC Fight Pass, there's LFA. Edwin Cooper Jr., representing the Jackson Wink Academy, is on that main card. So we have a local interest to tune into that one. I'm glad we got to do this. I hope we get to do it more often. Michael Franca, thank you. ABQ Central, 95.9 FM and AM 610, the sports animal. All right, quicker than slower, boys. We're pivoting back to the NFL. Last night, Van told you to take the Panthers in the under, and he was correct on both counts. I actually, I think I said over, and I'm sorry. You did not say over because the under was so low. And I remember thinking that's a stupid prediction, and you still took the under, <laughs> and you were correct. Can you can you run that back, Vital? Uh, <laughs> Vital was not there already. From the texter, uh, sorry, lots of MMA questions on the texter. We missed them with Micah. We apologize to everyone. We were just so enamored yeah. by his knowledge and intelligence and delivery that we didn't look at the texter. No, that's our fault. But good questions, though, guys. We'll get to them next time. Cardinals at Jaguars. Okay, you're just going out of order? <laughs> picking any order you want Tampa here. Tampa Bay and the Rams. I mean, I'm just... Well, uh, they don't even play next week. I'm going with my CBS Sports <laughs> app. Oh, okay. Uh, predictor, predictor, predicty. I see. Um, Cardinals. Um, I'm a big Cardinals guy this year. Kyler Murray's the truth. Trevor Lawrence will be very good in this league, but he doesn't have the team around him yet. Cardinals win easily, even if it's on the road, even if Trevor Lawrence plays well. Same. Mike? Cardinals. Yeah. Falcons at Giants. Um, I think they're both very bad. <laughs> I take. Yeah, they're both very bad football teams. Um, I think the Falcons are have slightly better personnel. Kyle Pitts is starting to get warmed up. Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan. So I got the Falcons winning this one on the road. I'm going to call. I'm going to say you're going with an upset then. So I'm going to take the Giants at home. That's, That's the smart pick. Yeah. Vital. Your record is, says who you are. So I will go with Atlanta. He's calling a draw. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, the Ravens are going into Detroit. Well, well, they will just stomp them, boys. Yeah, we, we can just skip past that yeah, one. The Lions are very bad. They'll... They'll win a couple divisional games this year because they'll, it'll be their Super Bowl. But Lions are going to be bad. They're going to have the first or second pick next Lions year. Lions are going to win that game. I got my first. Up. Oh, oh, hold on. What? Hold on. What was this? Are you messing Lions with me? Lions will win that game by three. Yes. yes, the ravings of a lunatic on the other oh, side yes, of the glass. that's right. Michael Vitale. Oh, my gosh. Come in here. I'm going to take your temperature. <laughs> yep. I got my upset. first. I got my first upset right here. All right. Hit me. Because he went to Ohio State, because the game is in Ohio, because he's starting for the first time ever, the Chicago Bears will beat the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that's a very good pick. I'm a big Justin Fields homer, but the Browns are just too good. They will hold off a fourth-quarter surge by Justin Fields, and the Browns will win. Michael? Brownies. The Cincinnati Bengals will fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got the Bengals in this one. Um, 
Joe Burrow starting to get in sync with his really good, really young wide receiving core. Bye, bye, bye. I don't think the Steelers are as good as they were the first 11 games last year. I think they're more 1-5 than 11-0, and and I got the Bengals winning this one. Flip a coin on this one, really, but in the end, I like the Bengals because they play a little tougher in that. They, they almost caught the Bears at the end of that game last week, and that's why I like Burrow against Big Ben. I don't know if Indianapolis will score a touchdown against Tennessee, true or false. The Colts are not as good as I thought they are going to be. They're kind of a disappointment. They were one of my playoff picks. I have the Colts getting the last wild card, but now I look like a fool. But there's a lot of season left. I do have the Titans winning this one at home, though. Same. Michael? Uh, Titans, yeah. The poor Chargers are just in the best division in football, and they're in so much trouble, and they are not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I got the Chiefs at home. I got the Chiefs at home. I think the Chargers are going to work their way into the playoffs throughout the season. They're a good squad. Justin Herbert is the truth. But, yeah, Chiefs, easy. I'll go with the Chargers. Oh, not because I want to be different, which I, I am different from you guys, yes, but I, mean, I would like uh, to see Herbert have a good game against the Chiefs defense that's given up over 30 points each game. If Taysom Hill takes the snaps, the Saints beat the Patriots. I'm taking the Saints in an upset on the road over the New England Patriots. I have the Saints winning on the road against the New England Patriots as well, whether or not Taysom Hill has a role. He's so good. Patriots. That's a smart pick. The safest pick, I think, of the day is the Washington football team losing to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Yeah, I got the Bills. Winning a close game, though. Oh, you do? Yeah. Buffalo by three. Yep. The, this, all right, so if you're doing like a survivor pool, in my opinion, if you take Washington, Miami, or the Jets this week, you are, you're just assured to win. The Dolphins will lose to the Raiders in Las Vegas. The Raiders will improve to 3-0, and and they're something special. I don't know about something special, but they are looking a lot better than I thought they were going to, and the Dolphins are looking worse than I thought they were going to be. So, yeah, I also have the Raiders at home. The Raiders are so inconsistent, though. Who really shows up? Even though they're 2-0, and I like Miami in an upset, kind of a mild upset. The New York Jets will lose in Denver. Yep, skip that one. Yep. Skip Bo. Seattle will go to Minnesota, and I think they will win on the road because I think Minnesota is afraid to win. Minnesota is one of those teams this year where they're going to be like a little under 500, and they're going to play a few good weeks. They play good at home. Kirk Cousins turns into Patrick Mahomes like once or twice a year. This might be the one. But I wouldn't bet on this one, but I would take Seahawks. Smart money's on Seahawks. I'll go to the Vikes. The three best remain, and you want to do them before or after the break, Mike? Oh, we can do them now. All right, we'll do them now. The Buccaneers at the Rams. This one, to me, is a coin toss because the Rams are at home. It was in Tampa Bay. It's a no-brainer. I'm still going to take Tampa Bay on the road. I actually have L.A. in this one. The Buccaneers are going to lose a few games this year. The Rams are hot, and the Rams are healthy. So I got the Rams winning a close one at home against Tampa Bay. Yeah, the Rams are going to win. The Buccaneers will remain undefeated. The Green Bay Packers are going to go to San Francisco, and this is where we determine if the Green Bay Packers are a legitimate football team. This is the best early test for the Green Bay Packers. Number one, had the horrible week one. Number two, they beat the Lions. Everyone's going to beat the Lions. And number three, this is – 
the team that shunned Aaron Rodgers, and he brings his A game against the Niners every time. I have the Packers winning a close one. I got the Packers by three. It's just because that's a gimme because I'm a Packer fan. That's all I can say. I am friends with you two, so in theory I should be constantly rooting for the things that you root for and support of you. Therefore, I I guess I will. I'll take the Packers on the road as well. Eagles at Cowboys on Monday night. Uh, it's the first home game for the quarterback since he snapped his leg. I think the Eagles will play well on the road. I think Jalen Hurts is a big deal. I think the primetime spotlight is a big deal. I don't think they can overcome Dallas at home. I'm going to take Dallas to improve to 2-1. to one. I got Dallas as well. I am slowly turning into a big Jalen Hurts homer. Same. He is so fun to play, and his the way he reads defenses and he makes really smart passes is above where I thought he'd be in his career right now, so I'm rooting for the guy. But, yeah, Cowboys is going to be a little bit too much for the Eagles at home. Jalen Hurts is definitely the only quarterback that could keep Gardner Minshew on the bench. <laughs> I think there's about six no-brainers and about another six or seven half-brainers. Michael? Can the Eagles slow down Dak Prescott? No. Dallas wins. Well, there you have it, fellas. Make your picks. Get them in. I like the NFL when it's hard. When it's like when it's, when I'm not sure, I'm really into the NFL. Yeah. I also like the NFL with the, the upset, so I guess that – I guess I I like it both ways because I like thinking like Buffalo is going to win big and it's going to be nope like a walk in the park and you're like no give me the Washington football team Chargers Chiefs is going to be a good game Washington Bills are going to be a good game Colts Titans are going to be a good game Saints Patriots like a lot of these are like fifty fifty Bengals Steelers are close to fifty the Ravens and Lions I think will be a physical type game yeah I mean I I Packers see I see the Ravens I see the Ravens blowing out the Lions but I mean Vital. He's he's just the genius. He's Mr. Vegas over here. We're here with you Monday, so we'll recap all of them. Let's grab a break. It's ABQ Central, 95.9 FM and AM 610, the sports anchor. Just a couple minutes before crosstalk with Josh Shushan. We're going to talk guys to baseball, I guess. We talk Cardinals baseball, That's too. That's obviously him. what I'm going to talk to him yes, about. There's does. no doubt, Vital. Come on now. It's called a setup, Vital. Setting it up. All right, NFL, let's just go around real quick. Your boy Josh Gordon is back as of week four. I'm confused. Josh Gordon gets kicked out of the league for weed ten times. That number's not right, but it's close. I think it's literally six. Weed is legal. A lot of places. Almost all the places. So they're going to let him back in, and it should be perfectly fine, and he can just keep playing forever. That's correct. Yeah. Should be. Three full seasons due to violations of weed. Isn't that dumb? It's a little jazz cabbage. A little jazz cabbage on his day off. Got some anxiety. Self-medicates with a completely harmless plant and he lost out on three full seasons hey vital you know what josh gordon did the only time he played a full season in nfl 2013 uh he led the league 
That is correct. And receiving yards and he, catches are touchdowns. In yards per catch at 17. Ooh. He led the league in receiving yards and receiving yards per catch. And they just kept suspending him for a plant. Is Pete Carroll still in Seattle? Yes. Well, I guess he'll give him another chance, huh? Uh, pot's legal in Washington. Pot's Didn't legal they already in give him a chance? Yeah, yeah. In 2019, because yeah. that's what Pete Carroll does. Yeah. Wonder why. Yeah. I think it'd be a great fit in Denver. Lots of teams need a wide receiver. Yep. There's not a single team that's like, oh, we wouldn't benefit from Josh Gordon. There's not one. Denver has a very laissez-faire attitude on marijuana, and their young receiver just went down. Did you catch this Bill Belichick thing? Which one? So I guess a former trainer, am I getting this right? A former trainer said he doesn't know how to evolve with players and he talks to players like their kids, specifically speaking about Tom Brady. He was like, hey, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you caught this? Didn't evolve with his players, and as Tom Brady matured and got older and got more experienced, he wasn't evolving with him. He kept treating almost 40 and 40-year-old 40 Tom Brady like a 20-year-old still. Sounds like a control freak. Alex Guerrero. That's probably, I mean, the same... The same attitude that made him lose the relationship with Tom Brady also made him a very successful football coach. Alex Guerrero, who was the longtime trainer of Tom Brady, and by the way, Tom Brady is an Adonis. Like, physically speaking, what he's doing at his age does not make sense. Nope. This trainer knows what's up. And also, his arms are so long, he's going to box with the god that is Bill Belichick. Why are you taking shots at Bill Belichick? Alex Guerrero. I don't think that was necessary, but still he makes a very good point. He told the Boston the Boston Herald, which is like, in Bill Belichick's world, a big deal because it's a newspaper and he's an old man who refuses to evolve. He <laughs> says, quote, I think in time with Tom, as Tom got in his late 30s and early 40s, I think Bill was still trying to treat him like that 20-year-old kid that he drafted. And all the players, I think, realized Tom was different. You don't say. You don't say. The GOAT is different. The guy who can read defenses better than probably anyone except for Peyton Manning in the history of football. He could retire tomorrow and be a head coach, a successful head coach or offensive coordinator anywhere. Of course you treat that guy differently. You and I are friends. Cool. You and I work together professionally. Cool. If there's another professional that's like, I don't like Van, of course I'm going to hate that person. That's what this is. I think they're just fighting for their legacy. Because, like, obviously everyone used to think Bill Belichick was, you know, the big deal in the Brady and Belichick relationship. Because I heard way more that Belichick was going to be successful and Brady wasn't when Brady moved on. But now Brady proved that, hey, maybe it was me the whole time. And now Belichick's fighting for relevance, and this story comes out. And I was like, oh, great. Guess I'm going to have to put my sleeves back on. Bill Belichick needs to be worried about the Saints. <laughs> Josh Shushan, when we get back from the break. I like talking ice toast with him. He's smart, dude. He's the best in the biz. ABQ Central, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Josh Shushan joins us, voice of the Albuquerque Ice Topes. 
His pregame takes over at 6.15. Josh, last night the Isotopes scored 13 points, and then the St. Louis Cardinals went on to win their 13th straight baseball game. <laughs> Therefore, the obvious prediction is tonight the Isotopes will score 14 points, 14 runs, and the St. Louis Cardinals will then triumphant over the Cubs again in the doubleheader win their 14th straight game. You agree completely, yes? Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. That was a great interview. Thanks for coming on the program. You're the best. <laughs> you guys have a great uh, weekend. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Albuquerque. Joshua Fuentes with a cycle last night. Yeah, man, he's been on a roll. So the last two games on the previous homestand, he went walk-off home run. And I've always thought there's two different types of walk-offs, right? There's one where the team is tied, and if you don't win it, okay, you go extra innings. But when you're down, when you go from about to lose the game, and then with one swing of the bat, you win the game, and it ends like that. Those are the really special ones. And then the next game, he had – it was an RBI single, and then there was this and that, and two runs ended up scoring, and it was the game winner. And then we go to Sugarland, and he hit three home runs at Sugarland, including a two-homer game. And then he comes back yesterday, and not only does he hit for the cycle, but he hits a grand slam to complete the cycle. Love that. Love it so much. Speaking of walk-offs – Safe House Distillery is unveiling the watermelon walk-off. Oh, I had it today. You can get it at the stadium. You excited about that, buddy? Yeah. I want to know what, what's the scatter report on it if you had it. So I had it, and it, I loved putting it in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's like that's what, that's how you break down taste, right? Because right. I I don't know otherwise. Uh, no, yeah, I had it earlier. It was uh, yeah, it was delicious to to your boy. So there you go. I have not had one yet. Uh, I was given a couple of samples, and they were warm, and so I took them home. And then, to be honest, I forgot because last night I was really tired, and I went straight to bed <laughs> after the game ended. And so I will be um, putting them in my mouth tonight and hopefully enjoying the refreshing flavors of the watermelon walk-off. I, put it this way. I know this. The, the distillery is really, really excited. Like Everyone's just super pumped to have this, right? I mean, it's just really cool that someone wants to partner with us and wants to create a beverage that's connected to the isotopes. And, uh, you know, and again, it's light. It's refreshing. It's like all the rage now, right, is like these seltzer-type products. And um, so it's fun. And, um, and I know that it was a hit last night. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to doing it myself tonight. Cocktail in a can. And uh, Chris Lurig over there at Safe House is like a friend of the show, like a friend of our show, a friend in real life. And uh, he is like a special talent for this kind of thing. Like it's, it's like a uh, – what's the best way to describe this? It's very good. It's very tasteful. And he, and also, like, it comes in the little can, and I think it's, like, 10 bucks. But I'm going to tell you, like, listener, like, friend of the show, it's worth, like, two $12 Jack and Cokes. Really? Like, you, yeah. Like, the, like it, once you flip the thing around and, and look at it, you're like, that percent's a little high there. So, <laughs> so you, put one $10, you put one 10 spot down, you end up with, with the deal with the watermelon walk-off. So there you I, go. I, I need to talk to your friend. I'm curious about, like how long it takes from a start to finish before you like, okay, we have this idea. Well, let's try this combo. Let's try this combo. Wait. Okay. And who gets to test all of these combos in order to see uh, until we got the right uh, mix. Make sure you tune into us on October the 9th. We're live from the balloon fiesta and Chris will join us from the balloon fiesta. Heck yes. And we're going to have that exact conversation. So that's, okay. That hasn't been publicly announced yet, but yeah, we're very excited to do that. They're doing a big distillery and like tasting thing over there. Um, the night of the night at the Balloon Fiesta, and Safe House is like in a position to do very, very well. Yeah, uh, I love it. If the season ended today, Josh, your boys in Oakland would not be a playoff baseball team. That is a factual statement. Sorry for your yeah, loss. Yeah, they've fallen, right? When you're 
You know, when, when you lose a few games with your bullpen early in the season, you know, you can shake it off. And I feel like when you keep losing games late, in late August and then into September, it, it, just, it has a demoralizing effect on you, right? They stopped hitting. I think they really missed Ramon Laureano with that 60-game suspension, um, you know. And then the schedule is not helping them, and then they needed to beat the Mariners, and they didn't. They got swept. So it's life as an A's fan. Well, let's talk about the rest of the wild card shakeout here. you got the Sox and Yankees playing each other with uh, Toronto looming right behind them. Who do you think sneaks in out of the East? I don't know. Um, I, I like I like the momentum of the Blue Jays, and momentum sometimes can be really tricky in baseball because no one saw the Cardinals' momentum coming whatsoever, right? Oh, actually, I did. I, predict, okay. I predicted it the day <laughs> okay. after the All-Star break. Okay. <laughs> Literally did. But everyone but, besides me, no one saw it coming. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think I've said this before. I think it's just such a cool story for the Blue Jays, you know, with three different three different homes. I love their young talent. It does make me feel old because all of their players, their dads are like the ones I grew up watching as a kid. So that makes me feel old, but I kind of like that. And, you know, as someone who doesn't really care about the Yankees or the Red Sox, you know, I kind of want to see both of them fail if that's possible, <laughs> you know, um, you know, so, you know, I'm pulling for the Blue Jays and, um, you know, but we'll see, you know, I, I put it this way. I, I think that it's really good for baseball when there's playoff baseball in Canada. I, I think it makes the whole sport really good. Josh, the with the win last night, we are uh, two and two in the chase for the final ten for the what did you call it yesterday? The the end of the season series. What is it? It's the final stretch. Okay, so the final stretch. So the Ice Tubs are sitting at two and two. No, in the final ten. Oh, we're it's not the and final ten. We're one and zero in the final ten. What <laughs> started yesterday? Oh my! I thought we you are, said it started on Sunday. That's how little no, I listen. We are one and zero in the final stretch, undefeated. We have well, never mean, been defeated in the history of the final stretch of minor league baseball. We have never lost. Well, let me ask you another uninformed question. <laughs> the website still has the Tope starter TBD. Is it going to be a bullpen day, or no, you know who's starting? Frank Duncan. Okay. It's Frank Duncan, and that's really good news because he has been the best, most consistent starter. He pounds the strike zone. He works really quickly. And he gets a whole lot of outs really quickly. He, he's fun to watch. And you always feel like when he's the starter, you feel like we have a really good chance to win tonight. Any final thoughts, Josh, before we cut you loose? Yeah, Ryan Castellani, normally a pitcher. He's been used as a pinch hitter uh, yesterday. He had a single that started a rally. Oh, Castellani is going to have a pinch hit home run before final stretch ends. Ooh, I love that. Uh, okay. I'm, writing, I'm writing it down right now. Super Bowl. It's the last Friday night. Albuquerque to get out and see your boys play live it's a beautiful baseball evening too like sure if, is. yeah if you're going to get outside this is the one to do it to a gentle breeze uh night game tomorrow night day game sunday van and i will be there uh, monday night you wrap up the home stretch and then you're on the road in sacramento and and bob's your uncle and those are all factual statements i like that josh shushan you're a world of talent and we're excited to tune in tonight looking forward to seeing you guys on sunday what a very good dude great interview too he knows it all well, and also, I know very little. He's, so that he's always prepped for our, like, uninformed, sideways, having nothing to do with the isotopes questions, and I really appreciate that about him. He doesn't need our help with the isotopes. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> That's some of the most apparent statements ever made on the program. Van, you did so very good today. Appreciate you, buddy. Michael, you did so very good today. Thank you very much. Micah Frankel, you did so very good today. Thanks. Caller Brandon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Caller Brandon. Caller Marty. Any final words, Van? 
Oh, my goodness. Too much for the time allotted, my friend. Good job, everyone. GG. See you tomorrow morning, Burke.